we often talk about legal solutions, you know, finding something that solves the problem. But it's always nice to talk to people that have really found legal solutions that truly have it all figured out that have built a practice and continue to grow a practice they can be proud of. And I don't know if there's anybody that embodies that better, at least from my perspective, than Elise Bowie, our guest today. For those of you that don't know her, she runs the Elise Bowie Family Law Group out of Seattle. They do family law and estate planning. They, at this point, I think a million people work there um, and all sorts of stuff. And we're going to talk to Elise today about her story, how she's grown, what she's learned, all those things. It's going to be a really wonderful chat. Uh, before we dive into that, I want to talk about our last episode. We talked with Mark Brown. Episode was titled PB&J, How to Balance Two Businesses and Succeed at Both. Mark runs a real estate firm and a title company. So two things that go together very well. It was super cool to talk with him um, about how he balances those things, especially as somebody who runs a marketing company and a law firm and does the same myself. But enough about that. We've got our wonderful guest all the, well, like, all the way from Seattle, although I'm in Albuquerque and Greg's in Orlando. So we are covering basically almost coast to coast here. Elise Bowie, thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. And Jordan, you got to take out that knows how to do it. I, the minute you said that, I'm like, where's my hot mess sign? <laughs> like, <laughs> but, okay, so all right, let me rephrase. All <laughs> of us make mistakes a ton, but the successful people are the ones that learn from those and grow from those and continue on from those. And so, you know, hearing your Maximum Mom podcast, seeing what you've done, following your social, like you got to realize you are head and shoulders above 99.99999% of attorneys, even if you feel that way, which also probably motivates you to continue to be better and more <laughs> successful as well. Maybe. I don't know. I'm definitely in the hot mess mode. I mean, it is. I think experimenting is, you know, the story of what we do. And wow, is that an adventure all the time? Totally. Well, it's, I, you know, it's so funny to me, like, uh, we were talking briefly before this. I was a history major. So like I have never done a hard science uh, for half my life at this point. But it's so funny because like from the legal side, you know, you have case law changes. You've got some technology issues from the marketing side. It's changing so drastically, not only platforms, but the what people want to see, how they want to hear it, how it gets presented. And so really like so many businesses need to be experimenting more to find out what's going to be the right fit, whether it's marketing, whether it's fulfillment, whether it's customer service, you know, whatever it is along those lines. Yeah, well, I find experimenting to be kind of the name of the game, you know, just getting in, doing an experiment, gathering the data and kind of seeing what, what were the results of that experiment and then being able to tweak it. I know I drive my team bananas because I'll be like, oh, check this out. <laughs> you know, and Let's try this. And they're just like, oh, gosh, here she goes again with another one of her experiments. <laughs> well, I want to talk more about the team that you've built, but I want to do it from this perspective. Because obviously, you know, at the beginning, most firm owners don't have the opportunity to experiment. Like you don't have the money, time, energy for things to go wrong. So I'd love to hear your story from, you know, day one of being a lawyer through the firm that you've grown. Whoa, that's long. We're going to need to like make this longer. We, we got time. <laughs> we got another, uh, you know, 50 minutes. I mean, I've been a lawyer for a long time. I have to always go back to my daughter's birthday because I was pregnant with her during the bar exam. So she was born in 1995. So I've been a lawyer since 1994. Um, so that's a long time. I clerked for a federal judge for two years, then worked in a big law firm in New Orleans doing insurance defense litigation, and then kept having kids and really decided this whole law thing and momming did not really go together well. 
And so, I mean, I was getting up, I was getting to work at 4 a.m. so I could like do my work, then be out by three so I could see my kids before they went to bed. And I was just like, this is kind of crazy. And my husband would do kind of the reverse. He'd be working like till three in the morning. <laughs> he was a lawyer as well. And so it was just kind of crazy. So I ended up quitting my job, staying home at the time my grandmother lived with me. We were paying for all this care. And I thought, I can take care of grandma and I can educate my children. So I started homeschooling my kids. I spent a decade taking care of my grandmother, then my mom, my dad homeschooled all the kids. By then we had four children. So, you know, that was kind of busy. Then Hurricane Katrina hit. So then we moved. All of a sudden we had to evacuate New Orleans, live in Georgia. So we moved to Georgia, then to Minnesota. And then it was time for me to get a divorce long story, but so I needed to go back to work. So I started a practice in Minnesota um, and did that and then got remarried and moved out here to Seattle. So, I mean, there's been a lot of bar exams on this journey. I mean, I was licensed in Louisiana, Minnesota and Washington, um, came here to Seattle. And at that point, it's time for these kids to start going to college. I think my oldest was like a junior and I was like, oh, we were supposed to save for college through all that. Like that didn't happen. <laughs> so um, I started a law firm pretty much solely to pay for my kids to go to college because I had four kids. Boom, boom, boom. I was looking at college tuitions for a long time. So I started the firm actually seven years ago today, which is kind of exciting that we're wow. talking. Wow. Congratulations. It's like a little birthday. But um, yeah, so I started the firm from my bedroom in the corner of my bedroom and um and at the time I started, I had two people who um, came with me. We had worked at a different firm together all as employees. And when I started, they came over. Um, and, you know, since then, so over the last seven years, we have just been growing pretty steadily. I mean, we kind of hit a crazy growth, you know, since 2019. Um, we were at about a million dollars in 2019. And at that point, I don't know, maybe seven people um, and now we're around 42 people. I think I might've just hired another one yesterday. So it's- I thought, I thought you were about to say 42 million. I gotta be honest. <laughs> no. That was the lead in for that. It's 42 people. And that's incredible. It is. It's been a wild growth. I mean, last year, when we sat down this year for our team meeting at the beginning of the year, and I look back, I was like, we've hired 21 people in 2021. And I was like, that's kind of weird and catchy that it was 21 people, but- I mean, when you really think about hiring 21 people, that's a lot of people. And so, yeah, it's been pretty wild. I mean, we're definitely on a trajectory, you know, for an eight figure firm, which is kind of wild to think about. But um, but yeah, it's been um, a lot of amazing growth. I mean, our team is truly the most amazing team on the planet. We have such a cool culture. I, I mean, we're virtual. We're so weird and we do everything weird. We do not do anything like a normal law firm does. I mean, anything else that a normal law firm does, we do it different. And, and that, that, that might be why you've had such success in seven years, as opposed to uh, everybody else grinding away for decades. I definitely think it's part of our secret sauce is our, our culture and our, um, I mean, we just put so much energy towards our culture. It's really all that matters to us, like in that hiring process. I mean, we can teach anybody to do anything, but I can't bring them on to our core values if they don't have them and don't share them. So, I mean, look, you were living the COVID lifestyle before everybody, you know, that whole yeah. decade with four kids and, and taking care of your parent. 
Um, but have you all been virtual the whole time or was that a transition no, at some point? The whole time when we started in 2015, I started virtually. We've always had an office in downtown Seattle that we could go to and we still do. I mean, we just haven't stepped foot in it since 2020, but um, we We've always been virtual because at the time I started, I had all these kids, you know, elementary, middle and high school. I had to be places like sitting in an office was not really the way my day was going. And so, you know, I was like the football mom, the treasurer of the school booster, the lacrosse mom, you know, I did all those mom things. And so I had to be able to like be on the go. And so I had to figure out how could I practice law sitting in the stands watching a football game. And then it turned, I was like, oh, why don't I market to all these people who are getting divorced around me? So then I was like, you know, the queen of advertising in every football program in Seattle. I mean, I think I've been a part of every football parent's divorce in Seattle. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, virtual was definitely the way to go for us. So talk to me. I know you're talking about bringing two people with you um, at the beginning. You're up to 42 now. Has there been a either best hire or best reorganization of the structure or best mindset shift to get you from that, you know, the beginnings to where you are now? Absolutely. I would say two, really. Um, one was bringing on somebody who could help me do systems. And so at the very beginning of the pandemic, one of my colleagues from the Maximum Lawyer Group kind of reached out and was like, you know, I've got these amazing people. I don't know that I can keep them busy all, right now during this pandemic. He's like, you could probably keep them busy. And so I brought on two people from that colleague and both of those people have been truly game changing for our firm as far as writing systems and then digging into data and really helping us, you know, get our head around the data. So those two people in 2020 just really flipped what it was looking like. And at the same time, we brought on Kendra, who's a marketing, um, you know, social media manager. And she was super helpful because we had not done any marketing at all before 2020 digitally or in any way. It was all referral. Um, the firm had just been built on referral and word of mouth. And so during at 2020, I was like, I probably need to diversify here. Like who knows what's happening in the world. Makes sense. So, um, so Kendra came on and really, you know, up-leveled our, our social media and just digital marketing. And then I would say the next major mindset-ish hiring thing was implementing EOS into our office and hiring out a leadership team. So now I have six people who, you know, work as leaders and directors of departments in our office. And so really run the office and um, and kind of allow me to be in my sweet spot, which is really as the cheerleader of the office. There we go. I know a lot of people refer to themselves as the chief encouragement officer at the uh, at that size, which I think is so great because ultimately like you can have so much more um, exponential growth by making everybody else be able to grow themselves or empowering them to grow themselves, whatever you want to call it. hundred percent. Well, and interesting because today is our birthday. We launched our inaugural dream maker program, which is literally the thing I've been sitting on for years wanting to be able to do. And we did it today, which makes me really happy. It was on our birthday. So people are going to be able to apply for our dream maker program. 
and we're going to then fund, you know, certain employees dreams every quarter. We've committed a certain amount of money to it. And obviously that will just grow over time. And that just makes me like super happy. I cannot wait to read the applications. I'm like a kid on Christmas. That's awesome. Yeah, you'll have to uh, update me. Well, I mean, I'm sure we'll follow it on on social and everything. I'd love to hear what some of the uh, inaugural winners are. Yeah, we're super excited about that. So I want to dive into something you talked about a little bit more detail. You talked about bringing on those two new people from a colleague. In terms of systems and, and the numbers, was that their 100% their position? Or is that like they were brought on to do legal work and just happened to have the eye for those things? No, that they were brought on for that. One of them was brought on in kind of a, you know, C, a COO kind of role, you know, like literally look at the firm, create systems, like get that really moving. And so she and I worked so hard together to, you know, get systems in place. And then the other person came in in kind of an intake role. But much of that was around the data of figuring out where our leads were coming from, you know, what was our conversion rates, just really digging into the data and then tweaking that whole kind of glide path from marketing, you know, through sales and into the legal team. And so she's been working constantly in developing our client relations team and using that data to, you know, improve our system. I mean, to the point where like, January, January has been a really crazy month for us, good and bad. But I mean, I think we brought in 56 new cases in January, Ooh. which is almost double what we bring in. Um, so she's obviously like really getting this down to a science. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, or whatever to people that listen to all these. Like there's literally never been anybody who was like, I really figured out my numbers and tracked them. And then everything went to crap. Like I'm, that's never the conversation. Right. It's always exactly what you're talking about. Like that is the explosive exponential growth because ultimately like we have, we only have so much data and the more that you collect the right stuff and then make decisions off of it, the better opportunity you give you for those decisions to go right. Completely. Oh, I am like a data freak. I mean, I, cause I am very emotional. I mean, I tend to be an empath and have all this emotion stuff. So I have to really rein that in and really look at the data and make decisions. I mean, I always sprinkle my emotional stuff on my decisions. I can't help it. But I mean, to have that data has been so empowering to know where to go and how to go and, you know, what to do. It's just, it's kind of game changing. Well, if you're anything like me, I always love it when I'm like, you know, my gut makes me feel like this. And then we look at the numbers. And I'm like, my gut was right. All right, cool. Here we go. Exactly the confirmation I was looking for. Exactly. So, all right. So 42 people. Um, we talked about that part. We talked about Kendra Nero, huge fan, Brand Spark, Awesome. Yeah. Um, and then you talked about implementing EOS. So I'm curious at a 42 person firm, family law, estate planning with the role that you have for yourself, what does your leadership team look like? From that EOS standpoint? Well, we have an integrator in place, and then we have a director of marketing, a director of intake and sales, a director of legal ops, a legal admin director, and, and events and new business. Um, so at the, at the leadership level, you didn't split up the practice areas? We did not, no. Okay. No, we keep them combined. And um, I mean, right now, our estate planning still falls under our events and new business leader, because it is a newer part of our practice. So we kind of focus on it 
at a different level than we do in our family law practice, you know? So um, family law would sit under legal ops, whereas estate planning is under new business still. So that's so interesting. So in essence, you've sort of created an internal incubator program, kind of. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh. we're really all about, I mean, another one of my crazy ideas that drives people crazy. We are all about trying to figure out how to create an incubator training and like really building out, I mean, what I call a baby university and where it can be used not only internally for people who are coming into our firm to be trained, but then also externally for potential clients, you know, what information do you need to know to be able to go through this process? And then also as a marketing tool of when you're hiring, you know, letting people know that you have such a robust training program, because I think training is one of the things that is really missing in a lot of law firms. And I think it costs them a lot of money in their hiring because people end up leaving. And a lot of times I think it's a lack of training on and I know I've done this a bunch, you know, where I've been so busy, you're like, your hair's on fire, you hire somebody, and then you're like, okay, go figure it out. And I mean, in three weeks or a month, they're like, okay, you're cray cray lady. Like, what am I supposed to be doing? So training has been a real focus for us. Obviously, with this many hires, we've had to really hone that in. And I got to be honest, buoy you sounds really cool. Like as the university, like it's got a, it's got a flow. I like it. We never thought of that. I like uh, it. There you go. I've provided some value. <laughs> so he, here's the question that I think everybody, I don't know, struggles with, thinks about. So you've got this firm that you've built from day one. You've got the EOS coming in. You've got the integrator. And with everything you've described about yourself being very similar to how I describe myself, the integrator's got to push back a ton. So how did you find the right person who could be that, you know, yin to your yang with all of these ideas to actually, you know, weed through them and get them implemented? Well, actually, she is an attorney and she worked at my firm for years and she and I always kind of butted heads, if you know what I mean. Like I would be like, oh, let's do this. And she would be like, could we talk about the practical aspect of that? And I would always be like, you're such a downer, like always wanting to talk to me about like systems and rules. And because I am so not that person. I mean, you know, I am like, oh, we can do that. Of course we can. Like, yes, we can do an event by Thursday. We have plenty of time. <laughs> so, you know, whereas, so, I mean, it was just, it was so clear to me that she would be this amazing, you know, person. And she has always been able to stand up to me in a way that I truly respect. Like when I first hired her, I mean, years ago, she was literally one of my first hires. Um, I texted her one time, like early in the morning. I mean, it, but it was like about something important. I wasn't just being obnoxious. It was like there was a court hearing or something. She literally responded with, I would appreciate it if you would not text me, you know, before work hours. I was like, check that girl out. I'm like, I love this. And so, I mean, I literally made a big joke with her. I never text her now off hours ever. Like, There we go. I'm like, oh no, I would never do that. But I mean, you know, I need that somebody, you know what I mean? Who's kind of, I mean, as strong as I am, but in a different way. And what's interesting, we did the print assessment recently, which I'm a huge fan of. I love assessments. I mean, I'm that emotional, psychological kind of person. I always want to know how people fit together. She and I are both an eight in print. So we both are strong, strong leaders. I mean, like that is our thing. 
I though have the two. So all that empathy, compassion, you know, all the stuff that's kind of my secret sauce. She has a three. She's all about success and she's driven to compete and she's driven in this way. So, I mean, she's kind of the perfect, you know, compliment to me. And so I think she and I work really well together and we're able to, I mean, really push back on each other, which I think is positive. Which, and I think that's great because I can imagine so many people listening and hearing this thinking that's awful. Like here's my employee, you know, yelling at me, but like, it goes back to, you know, like rocket fuel talks about that visionary integrator. Like you're looking for the two puzzle pieces and everyone's going to be a different puzzle piece. And so there are certain things where you almost want, like there's the right amount of friction that you need for oh, that success. Completely. I mean, I think it's so true. And it's funny because this year we have decided this is our year to fine tune everything like a perfect rocket ship. So Katie is so happy. She's just loving this year of systems. Like we're perfecting all these things. And I'm just like off in my nana land. Like, what can I envision? You know, I'm like, I'm going to create a retreat business at my house. You know, we're going to look for orcas. <laughs> there we go. I love it. So with that, I mean, you've got, what was that? A uh, six person leadership team. Maybe my math's wrong. No, um, anyway, so from that standpoint, like what do you find yourself doing on the day to day when it comes to the firm? Well, if you had asked me that um, prior to January 1st, I would have told you, you know, I literally am the firm cheerleader and I come up with all kinds of ideas and that we are implementing. And I'm, you know, the person who's big into making relationships and doing all those things from January 1 till now, I've been like, crazy in the business. I mean, I've been doing all the consults. I've decided I've taken on a docket of cases because we don't have enough people. Um, so, I mean, I have, I literally hired a paralegal last night. I'm like, you're going to be my paralegal, which is scary for you. Like I haven't had a case in a while and you're going to have to like, you know, really help. So it's been kind of interesting, but it's also been fun. We just hired two sales dragons. So the consults will come back off of me, hopefully starting next week. But um, it has been, just, I mean, a wild month of January. I mean, I've been doing, you know, 50 consults a week. I'm like chatting with Ooh. the folks. <laughs> yeah, it's been kind of wild. But um, I mean, you know how it is. Like all of a sudden when all we had COVID hit, like 12 people got sick. We had a, a death in somebody's family, car accident in an attorney family and one attorney left. So it literally just like all this stuff going down. I mean, and as the owner, I, I don't know, I'm one of those people that I'm a roll up your sleeve and get stuff done kind of girl, you know, like if there's a problem, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and be right there working with the rest of the team. I mean, as they're all drowning too. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, it's, because obviously from the owner, like the, the ownership standpoint, the worst thing you can do is have everybody else lose the feeling that they have your support. Oh. And so when you're there jumping on those issues as other people are having, you know, personal issues, <coughs> excuse me, um, it's definitely, you know, a walk the walk moment. Oh, absolutely. I mean, to me, there's no other option. I cannot have team members, you know, scrambling. Well, and we have our, our very firm famous are white flags that we all have. We raise them in a Zoom meeting if anybody is feeling overwhelmed, you know, and then we can kind of problem solve. And so when I have people that are literally and figuratively raising their white flags, like I can't be whale watching. Like I need to be 
on the phone, you know, doing the consults and taking cases and doing whatever I can do to be supportive and hire. I mean, like I, I was literally on an interview last night at 830 last night hiring somebody. And, you know, I mean, I cannot work enough to hire right now. I mean, if we could bring on like three attorneys and three paralegals, I think we would feel some relief. So along those lines, I mean, with you being virtual the whole time, but obviously with court obligations, what I, I assume you have less of a geographic spread of attorneys than you do of the rest of the staff. Is that correct? No, no. no. Okay. I mean, our court is still virtual. We only have one county that really makes anybody go there. Everyone, everything else is still virtual. And so, I mean, we cover really the entire, you know, Western part of the state of Washington. Um, and we have attorneys that cover, you know, we have people all over. But I mean, we do have like intake people that are, you know, way out in northern Washington. We have somebody in Indiana. We have somebody in Arizona. We have somebody in Pennsylvania. You know, I mean, we have people all over the place. Some of them are Washington transplants. Like they might have been a paralegal here in Seattle and then they've moved across the country. And so now they're still doing Washington family law, but they're sitting in Pennsylvania or Delaware. In including some of the attorneys or just from a staff intake side? I think our attorneys are all in Washington right now. Gotcha. Our attorneys are in Washington right now. Yeah. Makes a ton of sense. All right. So I think we got to dive into culture. You've talked, you've talked about the white flag as a positive thing. You've talked about so much of this. So kind of walk me through like, how did you, at what point did you first start being intentional about the culture of the firm? Um, I would say in about 2017. So like when a couple of years in, I actually did a, um, a vision quest with Lee Rosen at the Rosen Law Institute. You know, I don't know if you know Lee Rosen. He had a family law firm in North Carolina forever. He started the Rosen Institute and he is really big into vision. And so part of that, we did this vision quest um, and people like Marco Brown were in it, Ryan, like, you know, I did it with, and that's how I met a lot of people. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, actually, Ryan and I were accountability partners in, in Lee's program. I'd call him every morning at five o'clock my time, eight o'clock his time. We would like chat every single morning. And so, but um, part of that vision quest was figuring out what are your core values? You know, what do you care about? And so I came up with core values at that point. They have evolved over time. And, you know, we address them every year through EOS. We really look at them and make sure we're still aligned with them all the time. And so, but I, I would say in 2020, I mean, we became like hardcore focused on it because of the hiring piece, you know, because we were hiring so many people and it became really obvious to me on my bad hires that I did not hire for culture. And so when I kind of could put a, you know, those few puzzle pieces together and saw like a thread of, um, I mean, I, I had a CFO who actually has this little chart and she calls them like rats or terrorists, you know, people who might be great billable employees, but they're kind of horrible for your culture. And so we definitely had a couple of those. And, and so it became very important to me to push our culture and hire for our culture with the thought that I was going to be able to weed out that element that was negative. And that, you know, and over time that has happened. I mean, 
it it really does work when I mean when you are so focused on hiring a certain culture fit, the firm just grows under that culture umbrella. Totally. Well, and that's what I love about the the EOS part of it. Like you have the core values to make sure you're making the right decisions, and then you also have the time to modify the core values to make sure they're still consistent. And so you've got not like a two-way street, but you've got this way where you are adapting to the changes without totally. sacrificing what's really important. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's critical. I mean, I just, I really can't say enough about how important it is to hire, you know, for culture and to just have that. I mean, I literally have our core values. I mean, it sits here on my desk, like it's right next to me. And I look at them all the time. Like when I am making decisions about vendors, when I'm making decisions about what conference I'm going to go to, when I'm making decisions about all things, I literally look at those core values and I'm like, you know, is my decision intentionally aligned with those core values? Do you want to share the core values here? Oh, sure. I mean, they're, they're nothing like dramatic. <laughs> I mean, they're... But it, but, but they're the foundation, the, the bedrock upon which you've built so much of this other stuff. Yeah, they are. I mean, we have like, see our little core value sheet and we can all see it. But I mean, the main we are, we operate with integrity, integrity, professionalism and the highest ethical standards. I won't read this sentence under everything. Then we are expert practitioners who embrace a growth mindset. We are compassionate and holistic partners. We value radical candor. We empower and educate our clients and we dream big and we dream together. I love Those that. Are our core values. And I love that you got your integrator on board with that last one. I know. Isn't that fun? I must tell you though, she is the one who had the death in the family. So she's out of the country for three. Uh, so we implemented the program while she's gone. I'm sure she's going to be fine with it when she returns. Yeah. She's going back and be like, listen, we all dream together. Like it's right there. It's our core value. I don't know what to tell you. Exactly. She's gonna she's gonna make Inception a real thing, so she can Inception a few uh, less fewer dreams into you while she's gone next time. Yeah, it was pretty funny when she went out. I literally sent a note to the rest of the people. I'm like, oh, this is fun. The old sheriff is back in town. <laughs> Let's go. I've got all these. Hey, everybody, like, I've got 20 ideas a day. Like, how many of them can we get done before she exactly, gets back? And says, no. Exactly. But at the same time, like, I mean, I know we're joking about this, but at the same time, there has to be such a strong foundation for this to work as opposed to this just being complete chaos while one person's not there. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, it, and it works really well. I mean, that's the thing that, I mean, we are like, as a group of directors, you know, we have a Slack channel. So we stay engaged every day on if there's any high level issues in the firm, you know what I mean? They're going to come out and we meet. I mean, we do some things different. Like we meet twice a week to go over our issues. And because we feel like, you know, we are growing so much, there's a lot changing. And because of COVID in particular, we have, you know, all these young parent kind of workers who are dealing with school closings and all that. So we do meet twice a week, which I think is really helpful. It keeps us really engaged with each other, which again, that's all part of our culture of just this feeling of support you know, this feeling of we have each other's backs. We always support each other and collaborate. We are the most non-competitive group of people. Like we do not compete with each other. We don't do anything to create competition like a typical law firm does. 
And when you're saying we meet twice a week, is that a leadership team meeting? Is that all 42 people? Is that no, leadership, no, leadership team? team. The gotcha. whole office meets in their L10s just once a week. You know, everybody in the office is a member of some L10, you know, whether it's the legal ops or marketing, you know, whatever that is. Um, so they, everybody meets in an L10 once a week. And for those of you that don't know L10 from Traction Level 10 meeting, there's a really cool, I think it's like a three minute video where they go through it and it will yeah. revolutionize your meetings. If you put it, at least it has revolutionized my meetings, Completely. having put it in place. Yeah. So um, I know we've got, let's see. Oh, we got about 20 minutes left. Um, I want to dive into some of the specifics of this, the things that you've done to implement this culture, like the white flag. You know, what are some of the specific events, opportunities? I know you've got the the dream maker, dream, dream, yeah. dream maker, yes. dream maker thing that started today. So what were some of the other smaller ones? Because I feel like there's firms that probably don't have the the financial bandwidth to do a whole you know, dream, but I think the, you know, the white flag could be an easier one. Absolutely. We do things all the time. I mean, I apparently am a huge gift giver. I love gifts. Like, I mean, who knows what my love language is, but it must be gifts according to everyone in my office. So we do like culture gifts. So every month people get gifts. And so, and I curate the whole year of gifts depending on different things. So Every month they get something else that's, you know, it's like a surprise. Like this past month, they all got super cozy blankets because, you know, it's cold and wet here in the Pacific Northwest. And so, and we work from home. So everybody, you know, gets that. But I mean, it's, they've been all kinds of things. So, but that's just one little fun thing we do. But then we do, um, we have events. I mean, like all the time, like this Thursday, we're doing this unicorn and rocket ship event. We do, we've done cooking classes. We do book clubs. We do yoga every week. We do, I have a fair play book club. Um, we do um, all um, costume contests. I mean, we've had retreats where they come out to my house and we kayak and, you know, go look for eagles. Um, just all kinds of at this point, I got to see your house. There's orcas, there's eagles, there's kayaks. There's is going to be a whole retreat convention at yeah. uh, at the place. Yeah. Like this is this is great. You created such a wonderful place to be, especially when everything's virtual and you don't have to go in an office. Yeah, yeah. It's been. I mean, and we did a really crazy thing. Nobody uses it as much as I want, though. I mean, only a couple of people use it. We actually bought a firm RV so that people could go RVing during COVID and feel safe. They're all nervous though about crashing it. I'm like, guys, we got insurance. Like, it'll be fine. But I, I don't know. We so my wife Kid and I were driving across country. Yeah. I want an RV, and then my wife was like, "You know how you drive," and I was like, "You're right. I'm not going to get a giant RV." So we have a Jeep, and it's a lot easier for me to drive like my inner New Yorker than right. uh, it would be in that. So I don't blame them for having that feeling. Yeah, they're nervous, and I mean, a couple people have taken it out and have loved it. And Doug and I have gone all over the place. And we're going to be gone the whole month of October this year, our being around. So we love it. So that's been fun too. And we'll get to go visit people in our office all over the country. So that'll be a lot of fun. I love it. That's awesome. And so how much of this is just, you know, you having that gift giving love language and your role and how much of this is part of those leadership team meetings, talking to everybody about what they want and getting a feel for it. Or is it both? Oh, we, we, we do a lot of talking. 
we are all about our feelings and we definitely talk about them. We have all these surveys that surveys go out to new people. Like, you know, what is your love language? Like what kind of gifts would you want? And we ask people like, you know, what size shoe do you wear? Cause of course I had to send cozy slippers, you know, like what, I mean, all the things we want to know, like, you know, what's your favorite scent? Do you love candles? Do you love books? Do you like audible better? You know, like we get all the information and then we do things. And I mean, I, it used to be very me oriented. Like I would just randomly send flowers. I sent more flowers than I cared to admit to people. Like if they were having a bad day or whatever, and so then this has been really helpful to kind of systematize it, but I still get to do things like recently, everybody was swamped, you know, completely freaking out. So I'm like, obviously the whole firm needs pizza. Like people aren't going to be able to cook because they're all stressed. So, you know, we can just do things that, I mean, and as simple as sending lunch to people or like our intake team, they killed it that last month with all these cases. Well, they're all getting a special gift. I can't tell you what it is because watching this, but they're all getting a pretty cool gift. And so, you know, it's just, I don't know, just, you know, paying attention to what people are doing and appreciating people, I think is kind of huge. But so from the virtual standpoint with the pizza, is that like, Getting food to like getting the pizza delivered oh, yeah. to all their houses. Okay, delivered to everyone's houses. We've had cupcakes and champagne delivered to everybody. We've done wine tasting, so we have wine delivered all over the country. I mean, yeah, we have a pretty robust gift giving budget, and um, and I use it all. <laughs> there we go. That's so awesome. So, what's been what's been the biggest surprise for you? as you've grown from, you know, three people to 42? Being able to develop such a strong culture with so many people, because I think there's a lot of, you know, kind of expectation that the bigger you get, kind of the more corporate it becomes and the less positive culture. I have found just the opposite. I mean, we have, we are so ingrained in our culture. And like when I see our Zoom, you know, with all these people on Zoom, smiling away, happy, crazy hats on, raising their white flags, you know, it's really cool. It's like, wow. I mean, this is a big group of people who are happy with what they do. They like their jobs and they, they feel supported. To me, that's pretty powerful. And it was very surprising to me that we were going to be able to accomplish that. And it just, it really, I mean, just my team makes me really happy all the time. Like just seeing their enthusiasm and their collaboration with each other. I mean, our Slack channel is downright hilarious. I mean, you know, the things that go on, I mean, you know, you've got to have the, like, you can't make this shit up part, you know, where people are dealing with all the crazy things we deal with, you know, in family law, um, but then there's the, you know, I need help getting something filed by noon. And I mean, you've got five paralegals jumping in, like, what can I do to help you? I'm fine. I can get it done. You know what I mean? Just that real camaraderie. Well, you've, you've built a real team as opposed oh, to just a group of people. Big time. I mean, definitely a team and they have each other's backs and it's, it just, that comes through in everything. It comes through in how we treat our clients even, you know, it just, um, yeah, it's pretty powerful. And it was definitely surprising. 
So I want to transition to the Maximum Mom podcast. But before that, is there anything else about the firm, your journey, your story that you want to make sure that we cover? Um, I mean, I think you've covered a lot of it. And I think, you know, for me, and I sound like a broken record, but I mean, it's the culture. It is those little things that you can do um, in having that connection. I mean, a book club sounds probably silly to some people to actually have a book club during the workday. But I mean, it is so powerful, powerful for us to come together and talk about, you know, books that we've chosen. We have whole categories and we spin a little wheel to pick the book we want every month. Like, so it's random. But I mean, you know, like we talk about racial issues or we talk about like how to, you know, have better wellness in your in your life. I mean, you know, we've we really talk about things that matter. And it's really cool to see people being vulnerable and sharing and you know, getting to know each other. That's awesome. In terms of like either examples of some of the books, is it fiction, nonfiction? Is it a mix? Is How do you? Total mix. This total month mix. we're reading The Hate You Give. Um, we read the TED Talk book. We, um, we read Ariana Huffington's Thrive. Um, and we have whole things. We have like one category of books, banned books, you know, so we'll read a band book. We have, you know, different genres. So it's all a mix of things. Very interesting. And I'm assuming you guys did a uh, fair play at one point. Well, of course, you know, I'm like the fair play evangelist. We have a, uh, I don't, my cards are somewhere over here. My wife and I finally got the cards as we've been traveling. It was like, we had to have them catch up to where we were. Oh, I'm so um, glad you got them. Yeah. It's been very, it's been really interesting to go through. And then it was funny. Like my wife did uh, loaded the dishwasher yesterday. I was like, dishes are my card. Don't infringe on my card. This is your, you know, you got this one. It's been, it's been so funny. Well, it's really empowering. I think to see all the stuff that y'all have been doing, but it's not been out. You know what I mean? Like so much of it is invisible. And now with the cards, I think it's such a powerful game to be able to look at it and see. And when you look at that, a hundred cards in a deck. It's like, well, no wonder we're exhausted. This is a lot of stuff we're pulling off, you know? And I, and I like to think both of us were pleasantly surprised by how even it was when we did yes. the cards, as opposed to uh, thinking that my wife was handling everything and I was doing nothing. So that made, awesome. that made me happy to realize. Absolutely. Um, all right. So I want to switch to the podcast then. And you know, obviously, I mean, we're on a live show now. I've got multiple podcasts. I love them, but I want to hear your journey to the Maximum Mom podcast because obviously yours was a little bit different coming out of the Maximum Lawyer ecosystem. I don't know what the right word we want to use there for was. So talk to me a little bit about the formation of the podcast. Sure. Well, I mean, it was something that, you know, I felt like it was a, a real need out there, you know, for women, especially in the pandemic. I mean, I think women were really getting hit. I mean, you know, as we just mentioned, fair play by Eve Rodsky, but the reality of trying to, you know, be a mom, be a lawyer and be an entrepreneur was really colliding in a big way. And the maximum mom, I mean, the maximum lawyer group is just in my mind, such an amazing group of attorneys that are so supportive of each other in a very holistic way, like the maximum lawyer group really speaks to my soul of, you know, it being a real community. It's kind of like that culture piece, you know, there's a culture of acceptance, of support, of families being included in things like you don't go to a maximum lawyer event and get told like that your plus one can't come to a dinner, you know, and um, 
I just got told that in another event and I was just like, Uh Oh, well, and, and it's, although we are, although obviously we're together because we want to be successful lawyers, it doesn't have that same like financial stratosphere that so many other groups have. And I say that as a compliment to maximum lawyer and a mild insult to some other groups. Oh, Not I, a terrible over-the-top insult, though. I think it's a huge plus of the group. I mean, like, recently I was at the Maximum Lawyer Guild, um, which was in Arizona, and talking to attorneys, I mean, literally all across the board, you know, attorneys that are way ahead of me fiscally and attorneys that are, you know, barely making $250,000 a year, and they're just getting started, and they have all kinds of questions and things. I mean, Mark Brown was somebody in one of my, in my, um, my group that I led at the Maximum Lawyer Guild. So, I mean, we ended up with this real joke of we all want to buy his title company, but. Uh, so, hey, all Florida I, title. We talked about it, whatever it was last week, right, two weeks ago. Exactly. So, but it's an, it's just, I think the Maximum Lawyer group is so supportive. And when they, when we talked about doing this podcast, I mean, they were all on board, you know, with really um, amplifying women's voices and, you know, giving a, a place where women could, you know, discuss all these issues and bring them out and be able to have some frank conversations about the real difficulty and the real, I mean, this is a real trifecta to try to pull off, you know, being a mom, a lawyer and an entrepreneur. I mean, it is not for the faint of heart. Yeah. And I will, I will say, I will readily admit this, um, not as, not as a judge, not in a judgment, I guess maybe in a judgmental way. I have not heard the same issue there for men. Like in turn there, I have not heard that same push as a group of the, how do you be a dad and an entrepreneur and a lawyer? And I think that says a lot about where we are still stuck in, well, 2019, 2021, 2022, yeah. through this whole process. Jordan, I think you could start that. And I think you could be a leader in that group. I mean, you got your card deck and your card deck was not uneven. So there you are. Like, yeah. I mean, literally, uh, we are desperate for male allies in this regard because it is a huge, I mean, just void. And I mean, literally, I can count on two hands how many men will regularly speak on it. And I mean, I have, you know, evangelized. I mean, poor Ryan McKean. I mean, he had to get the book, get the cards, you know, and he's like all over it now. And he's like bringing it into his firm and talking about it. And I mean, I could not love Ryan's leadership more in this regard, because until we get men evangelizing about it, it's never going to change. You, you guys still hold the power. I hate to admit that, but it's true. I mean, the power still rests with men in this country. We see it in our you know, government. I mean, we see it in corporate boards. We see it in big law, you know, I mean, and until men will step up and understand how the, the current scenario really oppresses women, it's not going to change. And, um, and so I implore you to talk about it more because, I mean, more men who can talk about it and somebody like you who is so engaged in parenting and your family, I mean, that's a powerful voice in this movement, you know? Because, Which, and, oh, sorry. I was just going to say so many men don't realize what gets lost by them, by not being engaged. And so many men, I see this in divorce and I see this in my work as a parenting evaluator or guardian ad litem. 
many men are great people. Like they're working hard. They're bringing in money. They're trying to, you know, be a decent parent. They hang out one day on the weekend or whatever. They don't build that rapport though, that is actually needed in children from zero to nine so that then they can be what they, the children really need them to be, which is a strong role model and disciplinarian in those nine to 20 years. And when those children become adult, they do not have the attachment to their fathers in the same way. That all has to change. I mean, we are doing such a disservice to children to not have men be actively involved in attaching and nurturing and raising children and doing that work at home too. And the crazy thing for me is like, so, you know, I've tried to implement more, I don't want to say gratitude because it's, it's more internal. So maybe more of like introspection among like with my wife and I, because as a lawyer, like we don't really create anything at the end of it, you know, our client got some money, they've got that. Hopefully they're not in pain anymore from the marketing standpoint. Hopefully the firms are set up, but like we're not building something. So we try and do a lot more of that. Like, tell me, you know, the three best things that happened to you today. Right. And so much, so selfishly it comes, it so often comes back to my kid. Like mm -hmm. today he made uh, with Play-Doh. So we made breakfast for him with pancakes. So he ends up making Play-Doh pancakes. He makes a spatula out of Legos. And then I forgot what he did for the syrup. He had something else for that and like recreated his own breakfast. And I thought it was so cool. It was him like uh -huh. seeing, you know, uh, my wife made him, made him breakfast. I had ate breakfast with him while she did some work. And so here he was like recreating that moment. So selfishly, there's that part. And then from a sales perspective or a branding perspective, I get so many leads that are like, hey, I see you being able to hang out with your family. Like, that's what I want. That's, I need the better marketing to have this and do right. that. And so like, I don't know. I just, it's, it's mind boggling to me about it's fun. I enjoy it. It helps me make money and it's better for my child. So like, what's the. There's I, no downside. <laughs> yeah. And Man, it's we could, for your wife too. You know what I mean? To have you be engaged with your son where when she needs to go off and work or maybe do her own like unicorn space thing where she's just, she doesn't worry about whether your son is miserable with you or whether, you know, she knows y'all have a great time together and she can go happily off and do her thing, which is so powerful because so many women are truly are like indentured servants. I mean, they can barely leave their child for years. Totally. Well, totally. And she's the one that actually oversees all the PI cases. So like more, right. I guarantee you more of our cases get resolved on Wednesday and Friday when I've got Ben the entire week, the entire day than on, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, where it's exactly. me or we're switching off. Yeah, no, I, we could do a whole, con another conversation on that part because I just, it's, I don't know. It's gotta be a fear thing. Like at the end of the day, all of this is based upon fear, right? Either fear that the wife can't make as much money, fear that the husband can't be as good of a parent, fear of, you know, whatever it is for each individual person. I mean, I would like to think it's only based on fear. And I mean, my cynical side, though, I do think there's some real, um, I think a lot of people enjoy the oppression. I mean, they, you know, when, when somebody can go out and play golf for five hours, go drink beers for two hours, and, you know, then go on a bike ride, and they somehow feel empowered to do that, because maybe they're the, the higher earning spouse. I mean, that's, it, it conflates money and mm. time in a way that shouldn't exist. Time is finite for all of us, and it must be equal. We cannot inflate 
and conflate time and money in a way that determines that one is more valuable. And I mean, I think that is such a fundamental thing that we do. I mean, people think of men's time as diamonds and women's time as sand. And it's just, it's not, I mean, and it has gone on forever. I mean, I was reared in the South. Like I literally grew up in such a, you know, patriarchal kind of system. And I mean, trying to learn around that and not teach my own sons that, you know, and really help them understand like what it is to be a real team player and what that means in a family. And, you know, it just doesn't matter who's earning what. I mean, what matters is there's stuff that needs to get done and all people need to participate in that. I, I feel like you were sitting over my shoulder while I wrote my content calendar for February, the, uh, the, the time over money stuff comes up a bunch in everything that I do because I'm, I'm right there with you. So yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to cut you off, especially when we're talking about power imbalance, but we are, we are three <laughs> minutes away from the end of our time on the show. And totally. I think all of us are booked for other things. Um, so I want to talk about our next episode. That's going to air uh, Thursday. So that'll air in two days at 2 PM Eastern. So half an hour later than you watch this show, we're going to have Arjun Robbins from how to manage on. He's going to talk to us about the other HTM, how to market, a small law firm um, for any of you that have heard Arjun speak or connected with him or in how to manage. Obviously he is a wealth of knowledge and um, super excited for the chat, but at least I want to make sure I give you the final word for so many reasons, especially because I loved our chat so much um, for an attorney listening to this who has not had the same ability to um, experiment as you have, who has not found the same success, who has not created the culture, whatever it is, if they remember nothing we've talked about in this hour, except what you're going to share here, what would be your biggest nugget of wisdom, your most important takeaway, the biggest piece of insight you want to make sure that they have going forward so that they too can be successful? Um, I mean, really believe in yourself that you can do it and be yourself. Don't be anybody else. I think for me, you know, learning to accept my unicorn self and realize that you know, what I bring to my firm is absolutely unique, but it's, I'm the only one who brings it. I mean, I am the only one who acts like me and is me. Obviously I make mistakes all the time and have, I, you know, I don't mean that my unicorn is um, polished. I mean, it's a hot mess unicorn, but it's me. And I think that being able to be authentic and bring yourself to what you're doing in a powerful, confident way, I, I mean, really, the the you have you're limitless i mean your power is limitless if you can bring your authentic self to the things you put your mind to it's so funny you say that i i can i can't tell you the definitive day but i can tell you the mindset shift that made me realize i was on the right track it was going from wishing i could clone myself and have more of me at the firm to realizing that would be my waking nightmare and that that's absolutely not what we can have so i love <laughs> that you share that as the biggest takeaway <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Oh, we don't need any more hot mess unicorns. I can assure you. <laughs> your your integrator will uh, would lose her mind on a whole other set of, of dreams the entire time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. It was wonderful to have you and hear what Absolutely. I had to say. And to everybody else listening and watching, hope to see you back February 3rd at 2 p.m. Eastern time for our John's episode. Have a wonderful day. And seriously, Elise Bowie, follow her, connect, listen to the podcast buy fair play, dull out the cards. Like there's so much to be learned from this hour of wisdom from her.
Thank you so much for having me. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And I do need to see pictures of the pancake breakfast. I love that. I'm a huge pancake fan. There we go. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you.